Hi, everybody. My name is Pat Hogarty, and welcome back to California Real Estate Finance, Real Estate 320. This happens to be show number 21. So as I mentioned the last time, we're getting closer and closer. We're past the, uh, if you will, I believe the two-thirds point mark. Uh, what we're going to be doing today is talking about government loan programs or government loan types of programs. And, and actually, what I'm going to be doing is we're going to have several different categories of these. Uh, we're going to be talking today or starting out today talking about FHA programs, Federal Housing Administration programs. Um, probably, if time permits, I'm going to be spending some time and at least indicating to you where on the Blackboard website there are links to get additional information. As I've mentioned many times before, a lot of us, when we buy our first home, are usually using some form of a government program to help ensure or help, the, uh, help us get a loan with a relatively small down payment, and FHA program happens to be one of them. We're then going to move on to the Veterans Administration program, which is a federal program, the v, as we sometimes call the VA program. That all uh, people that are eligible for that are normally people that have been in the military. Uh, there are certain time frames in which they have had to serve in the military, and there are certain dates and which, in other words, they have to have been in the military for a certain specific period of time or meet certain conditions in order to qualify to get those loans. So I'm going to be pointing out some of those items. Uh, a lot of that has to do with whether you're serving within a time frame declared to be a wartime or a peacetime, and whether you're in the reserves or the National Guard and how much time you spent in. And again, I'll be showing you some resources to find that information out, if you will. The next program we're going to be talking about after that is called the CalVet program. This is a program for veterans who are uh, who live in California. The program over the years has been expanded uh, on a number of times. Uh, it's a self-funded program, so consequently what that means is that when you go to the polls to vote, you may very well in certain years see where they want to have a bond issue that they're going to sell some bonds to the investor community to raise money that they're going to then lend out to veterans. And, uh, and uh, that those funds not only are the money that are lent out to veterans, but also the money that take care of the administrative functions of CalVet. Uh, another area that we want to talk about, so this is going to kind of be a long thing, maybe over several different, uh, several different shows, is we're going to talk about some other programs, uh, for, if you will, for first time buyers. And, uh, I'm going to be bringing up some stuff in those particular cases that, information that's not really in the book. And the reason why I want to do that is just so that you know of some other programs that are available. I will also be pointing you in the direction of some people that can assist you if you are looking at buying a home for the first time and you maybe need some assistance. And that assistance can be in the area of like what programs are available for me, how can I clobber, or not clobber, but kind of put various kinds of programs together in order to help me buy. For example, there may be a program that will provide the financing and there may very well be another program that will help you with the down payment. And to try to keep track of all that becomes sort of difficult. So what I usually like to do is to sort of point you in a direction of where you can get some additional assistance. And what you're really needing to do at that point is to sit down with a uh, 
kind of like an expert in that area that can listen to what you're trying to get accomplished and then can turn around and say, well, these are the programs that would be available to help you purchase that home. So I'll be talking about that. So that we're talking about over the next uh, probably three, three times at least that we'll be discussing these programs. So what I want to do today is start out with the Federal Housing Administration Program, the FHA program. FHA has been around for a number of years. Uh, they've been around since 1934. And uh, basically their function or their job is to help people both through education and through the uh, insurance of, uh, of insuring the risk for the lender so that you as a, as a home buyer can put less money as a down payment. Again, these programs, let me mention to you, uh, you, have to, you have to read these, but when you're working with a client or you're using them yourself, it really is really, really important that you speak to somebody that's in this industry that really knows what they're talking about because there are some things that will appear to be really clear on the paper and you'll go, oh, well, I don't qualify. And then if you sit down with that, an individual who's an expert in that area can say, no, you may not qualify there, but you may qualify here. So very, very important that you know about that. So what I'm going to be doing here in a second is I'm going to be moving over to my old friendly document camera, I'll be talking about the FHA programs. I also have links in the website on the Blackboard website, and I want to be showing you that too today. So anyway, going over here, a couple of things that they want to point out. And this chapter more or less starts out by telling you, talking in relation to both VA and FHA, or FHA and VA. It says uh, one thing they want to let you know is that neither FHA nor VA makes loans directly to the public. Okay, so they're not the ones that you go to when you receive the money from them, and then you go ahead and, uh, you know, in other words, you're not borrowing the money directly from them. What they do is they have lenders that they work with, and those lenders are usually, if you will, for lack of a better word, certified and trained in a specific area that can actually help you with this loan process or loan program. But the money itself is coming directly from a lender such as a B of A, Bank of America, or Wells Fargo, or some other organization. And what FHA in this case is doing is providing some insurance for you to protect the lender. So in other words, these programs are involving where you don't have enough money to put as a down payment. Okay, so we'll go on from there. It says the FHA and the VA are also not part of the secondary market. So they're not Fannie Mae, Ginnie Mae, or Freddie Mac, or Farmer Mac, or any of that. They're not part of that program. It's actually the loans that are, create, or that are insured by them or guaranteed by them are sold in the secondary market. They do not buy loans or sell loan-backed securities. Instead, they act as a giant federal insurance agencies, and insure approved lenders against losses caused by borrower default. That's what their job is, to protect the lender in the event that you don't make your payments. Each agency has a number of separate programs which have made home ownership possible for millions of Americans who otherwise might not be eligible for conventional loans. Okay, so keep in mind there's a couple key words there, and one of them is there are many, many different types of programs that are available. And again, that's why you have to be speaking to somebody in many cases that understands, and maybe you guys, hopefully, would be one of those people that clients would come in and speak to and say, I need some help in buying a home. How can I do that? What kinds of programs are available for me? So maybe you're the ones that can, they'll be coming to. So going back to this... Um, 
what I want to do is uh, there's a little bit of history here behind FHA. And I think it's really good. And by the way, they do show a web page up here. Another thing that I do want to mention to you is that the pages that are in these books, anytime you show somebody in a book a web page, chances are things are, when you actually go to the website, you're going to either find it difficult to find it, or if you do put it in there, you're going to find out that it looks a little different. Okay? Uh, in the last year or so, I've noticed that FHA has been doing a lot of updates to their website. I've also noticed that VA has done a lot of updates to their website. So kind of want to keep that in mind. Um, down here, it just basically starts off, and I'm going to try to zoom out here a little bit so we can see. It says, the Federal Housing Administration, FHA, was created by Congress in 1934 as part of the National Housing Act. Keep in mind that we were coming out of the Great Depression of 1929. So this is where, during the Roosevelt administration, we were doing a lot of things to help the people in the United States, you know, with employment, with housing. So there's a lot of programs that were created and grew out during the 1930s. Uh, in fact, as a sideline, a lot of the dams that you see that were built, a lot of the, a lot of the major, um, in some case, some roadworks, uh, buildings on this campus, a lot of different things were built during that administration, okay? Uh, the purpose of this act... Uh, the purpose of the act and of FHA was to generate new jobs through increased construction activity to exert a stabilizing influence on the mortgage market and to promote the financing, repair, and sale of real estate nationwide. So that means FHA is all over the country. It's not in one place. Today, FHA is part of the Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD. Okay. Um, Next thing they want to talk about is that we have, you know, when we talked about conventional loans, we talked about something called PMI, private mortgage insurance. The FHA has their version of this type of a mortgage insurance, but it works a little different, not a little bit, but it works differently than the PMI does. Okay, it works differently than the PMI. It has, it, 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 there's a lot of things that you need to be aware of. For example, in PMI, you only were talking about insuring the top part that was at risk. You didn't insure the bottom part. Uh, there, uh, you, in PMI, you, if you got a PMI, uh, conventional loan, the only time you had to pay PMI was when you paid less than 20% down. FHA, you have to pay it if you get an FHA mortgage. So there's a lot of different differences between the two of them. But they are insuring is what they're doing. So anyway, it says the FHA insurance program is called mutual mortgage insurance. Not PMI, not private mortgage insurance, but mutual mortgage insurance, different term. Or MMI, under the plan, lenders who have been approved by FHA to make insured loans either submit an application from prospective buyers to the local FHA office for approval or, if authorized by FHA, do so and perform the underwriting functions themselves, review the appraisal, mortgage, credit examination, so on and so forth, okay? So in other words, lenders, you either have where lenders make the loan and then submit it for approval, or lenders themselves have been authorized to take care of the approval. Part of that is, is where the government can hopefully turn around and move some of that responsibility onto the lenders, which means the government doesn't have to hire, hopefully, as many people, 
And then what they do is they actually go in and audit the processes and procedures that the lenders follow to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Okay. goes on from there. It says lenders who are authorized. I think we can flip this over. Authorized by FHA, by the FHA, to fully underwrite their own FHA loan applications are called direct endorsement lenders. Okay, a direct endorsement lender is responsible for the entire mortgage process from application through closing. Uh, the DE, okay, which is the direct endorsement, has, has approved and closed a loan. The application for mortgage insurance is submitted then to FHA. So it's not like FHA is turning around and turning you loose and lets you do whatever you want. You have to be qualified for that, and then you are audited, and you're made sure that you're continuing to follow whatever the processes and procedures are. Okay. Now, under FHA loans, it says any loan intended for submission for FHA insurance has a number of features that distinguishes it from a conventional loan. The most significant of these features are the following. Number one, they have less stringent qualifying standards than another type of loan. For example, FHA will allow reestablishment of credit within two years after the discharge of bankruptcy when any judgments have been fully paid and tax liens have been repaid or the repayment plan has been established by the IRS and within three years after the foreclosure has been resolved. So one of the things that FHA is going to do is to assist you in, if you will, reestablishing your credit, okay, which possibly, and, you know, and I hate to say, the big thing you always have to be careful about when you're talking about real estate and specifically about finance is as the words come out of my mouth, you know, you know, somebody could be changing something, either making something more uh, uh, more restrictive or or more liberal, depending. Okay, but you want to be aware that that's one of the jobs that FHA is attempting to do to help people that have gotten themselves in financial binds. Okay, uh, number two, low down payment. The three percent cash da- cash down payment is generally less than for a similar similar conventional loan. So when you take a look at it, when we talked about conventional loans, we started talking about, you know what, if you put down less, less than 20%, you started to realize that the lender, at least if you read, believe what you're reading, the lender becomes a lot more critical of looking at what you can and can't afford. They look at your credit history. In other words, you may very well not qualify under a conventional program, but could possibly, under word possibly, qualify under FHA. Remember also, too, that conventional, really, the lowest it ever got was maybe 10% or 5% as a generality with very tight, you know, underwriting restrictions where FHA is allowing you to go down to 3%. So there's some room in there to play with, okay? Next thing, uh, they talk about secondary financing. It says no secondary financing is allowed for the down payment. The FHA minimum down payment for the loan must be paid for by the borrower in cash coming from someplace, you know, wherever it comes from, the sale of another property or your bank account or whatever. The borrower is not allowed to resort to secondary financing from the seller or from any lender to make up any part of the down payment. So in other words, you can't say I'm going to get an FHA loan, I'm going to have the seller carry back a second. Okay, that's what we, that's not allowed, at least right now, at least as of this writing, okay? Uh, 
But here is something where you will see there is some flexibility. It says FHA permits the usage of either non-repayable gift or money, okay, which means that you have gift, parents have given um, their children a certain amount of money, and it may be very well where the, the, uh, where the lender or the, where they're going to require a letter saying that this is a gift and there's no way that you're ever going to ask them for the money back again, so it's not a loan. But anyway, either a non-repayable gift of money, credit from a portion of the rents from a rent purchase contract between the buyer and the seller, or some home repairs made by the purchaser, what we call sweat equity. So in other words, you could help with the down payment by doing some kind of work on the property. Again, this is on a case-by-case basis. Okay. To be used to satisfy the statutory 3% down payment cost, this is ordinarily not permitted within conventional loans. Ordinarily. I love these words, these, these qualifiers. Ordinarily, possibly, maybe. You've got to have to keep those in mind when you're reading a lot of this stuff. Okay. Some of the other things that are important to know about these types of loans, if you will, is uh, closing costs. So some closing costs may cover down payments. Some closing costs may cover the down payment. While a whole, while a borrower may not finance any of the closing costs along with the sales price, FHA permits the use of some closing costs to satisfy the 3% down, statutory down payment requirement. So again, either you as the expert or one of your experts is going to be able to tell you what those are going to, what those closing costs, and when we say closing costs, we're talking about things like escrow, title, document recording fees, things like that. So somewhere in those closing costs, some of that can be used to satisfy that 3%. Okay, FHA mortgage insurance is required for a loan regardless of the amount of the down payment. In contrast to conventional loans, usually do not require mortgage insurance unless the loan value ratio exceeds 80%. So if you're going to get an FHA loan, from what I'm reading here, from what they're saying here, if you get a loan and put 30% down and you still get FHA, you're going to pay insurance. Okay. That's the concept behind it, at least. A couple other things in here. No prepayment penalties are allowed, which is very important in any kind of a loan. What that basically means is that if you got the loan and you decided that maybe for whatever reason you needed to sell the property, and when you sold it, you were going to use the proceeds to pay off the loan, whatever, you're not going to have to pay a prepayment penalty. Very, very important uh, clause. So it says some conventional loans have substantial prepayment penalties for the first few years of a mortgage term. An FHA loan may be paid off in full any time with no additional charges. A lender is allowed to require that a, any such pre, uh, payment be made on a regular installment due date. Loans that were made before August 1985 require a 30-day notice of the intention to repay the loan. So what they're doing is just giving you a date. So if you do have a loan that was back in 1985, uh, where would you run into that? It would be possibly where you had a client, you had a listing on a property, they've had the loan for a number of years, they're getting ready to sell the property, and they're going to pay it off. So it's just something you want to be aware of. Okay. Next thing, the uh, property must be must be owner-occupied, must be. Now, keep in mind when we talk about owner-occupied, FHA makes loans on one-unit, two-unit, three-unit, four-unit properties. 
But what you want to keep in mind is, is that you still have to, if you have a two-unit building, that means you have to occupy one of the units. Okay? That's why you see the loan limits for FHA will be different. They'll be higher on a two-unit, higher on a three, and higher on a four, but you still are expected to live there. In other words, you're not going to use an FHA loan. It's to help you get a home. So its, it's intention is not to help you become the Donald Trump. The idea is you help you get a home is what you're really looking at, okay? So you have to live in the place. Okay, so it says an FHA, the FHA used to insure investor properties, but they have virtually eliminated all such, and I believe it says here, all such programs, two to four unit properties qualify if they are owner-occupied. Okay, so visualize for a minute, uh, for example, it's not uncommon for people to buy their first property. Uh, I mean, if you think creatively, creatively, you say, for example, you're going to buy a duplex. What's going to happen is you're going to rent out one side of the duplex. On the other side, maybe, maybe, possibly, it might be where uh, you, if you're single, you and your friend, and your friend's going to pay you rent, or maybe you're going to rent out a couple rooms, but you're going to live there. That, that's what I did when I bought my first house. That's how I was able to swing it. Or you may have a couple where both of them are working, and they're able to pay for the one side, but they rent the other side out. Okay? And maybe the reason why they did that is their idea is that, hey, you know what? This will help us pay, pay the overall mortgage. Or maybe this is the best property that's available in the area that we can buy. Keep that in mind. So it's one, two, three, or four units. Uh, some other characteristics of FHA loans. The typical FHA loan has a 30-year term. Remember, they were kind of like a pioneer in getting this amortized 30-year loan. So at the end of paying for 30 years, you actually own something. <laughs> okay. However, FHA offers loan terms as short as 15 years. They also offer adjustable rate loans and home repair loans, which will be discussed uh, in later programs. Okay. Um, a couple other things with FHA is FHA used to set the, the uh, maximum interest rates, but now the rate is freely negotiable between the borrower and the lender. Okay, so it used to be like FHA is limited to a certain, you know, maybe 200000 Well, that's not like that anymore. They still tend to be lower than the conventional rates because the lender's risk is lessened by the FHA mortgage insurance. Okay, so that's kind of a change on those limits. Um couple other, let me see, a couple other things that are in here. Um, you know, like any other property, the lender's required to obtain an appraisal on the property from an FHA-approved appraiser, okay? The appraiser will note any health and safety deficiencies and necessary repairs needed on the form that they show you in the book. Now, one thing that's interesting, and I have not had the chance, the opportunity in the last couple of days to check out, but there is a form that they show you in the book. And uh, I've gone to the FHA website looking for the form. Uh, so what I can tell you is that I haven't had a chance to check with a, a, a licensed appraiser, but what they're talking about in this form when you look at it in the book is where the appraiser is ha actually having to do a, like a minor inspection of the home in relation to the quality of its condition. Okay, that's what they're talking about. But that form, I always like to look these forms up to see if they're the most current. This form was dated somewhere around, I believe, 1999, and I wanted to look up the most current form and couldn't find it. 
But my intention is before we finish talking about these government loan programs is to actually look up and see what that current process is right now. Okay. And the form that I was talking about is this form right here in which it's more or less a yes or a no type of a question uh, where uh, you're uh, asking, having somebody, if you will, uh, to inspect the property and see what kinds of problems you have with it. And uh, anyway, so again, I'm checking on this form to find out if this form is still in use or if they've changed it. Okay, because usually most of the time if you Google this stuff, uh, you'll find copies of the current form if it's been changed, um, but I couldn't. Okay. Moving on from there, moving on from that particular form, um, we did talk, or they do talk here, about income qualify, qualifications and maximum. Oh, one thing I did wanted to show you here, and I'm going to show you on the Blackboard website where this is, is where they talk about FHA mortgage limits. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead. This page, by the way, looks like this now. At least the last time I checked in the last couple of days, this page more or less looks like this. But the concept behind this is that uh, you put in, check your state, uh, you know, what county, what city. If you just go in by state and you submit it and you can find what those limits are, and I'll show you that in a few minutes. Okay. Next thing you want to know about is income qualifications for the loan. What are the income qualifications? And this gets a little bit tricky because they're giving you two different numbers here. So you have to kind of separate out and read the sentence and stop and take a breath and think about what they're saying and then go back and read it again. But basically it says there is no minimum income requirement for an FHA loan. Borrowers must show two years of steady employment and demonstrate that they have consistently paid their bills on time, which means some form of credit report. So you're looking for steady employment. Uh, that can be proved by through income tax statements, pay stubs, uh, especially income tax statements because your W-2, is a W-2 form, I believe? W-2, W-4, I always get them confused, but the one that shows you how much you made for the year if you report that to the Internal Revenue Service, it shows you actually work there. Okay, so they're looking at steady employment, not like you have a job, don't have a job, back and forth. Uh, and, and demonstrate that you've been paying your bills consistently. That would be like through your credit report. Okay, consistency. Uh, the FHA has a ratio. Now, these are the ratios get be a little bit confusing. It says the FHA has a ratio of 29% and 41%. This means that the payments for the home loan may not exceed 29% of the borrower's gross monthly income. Okay? Read that again. This means that the payments for the home loan, so if your home loan is $1,000 a month, okay, may not exceed 29% of the borrower's gross monthly income. Okay? Gross monthly income means all of your income prior to you having anything taken out, in other words, your taxes or anything, okay? And all installment debt, including the home and repayment, uh, uh, home and loan payment, let me see, may not exceed 
may not exceed 41%. Okay, these figures are more liberal than the conventional loan limits. Now, let me go back through that again. So, first of all, we have one thing. We know 29%. We know our monthly payment cannot exceed 29% of our gross income. 29% of our gross income. Very, very important. Okay, so as an example, if we made $4,000 a month, $4,000 a month would be $36,000 a year if I did my math right. That means that if your monthly payment was $1,000 a month, then you, you know, 25% of the $4,000 would be $1,000 a month. So you could go up to 29% between $1,000 and some other figure, which I haven't calculated, but a little bit more than that is what your payment could be if you were making $36,000 a year. So that's the first thing that you're looking at, the first limitation that you're looking at. Okay, so, the, you know, the lender's looking at that and saying, do they, uh, is their monthly payment less than 29% of their gross income? Yes or no? <laughs> okay, if the answer to that is no, then what they're saying is you don't qualify, essentially. Okay, second... The second thing that they're looking at is we put in here the last time. See if we can get this. Okay, so that was that part. That took care, if you will, of this sentence up to of that sentence. It says, okay, 29% of the buyer's growth. Okay, income. And all installment debt, okay, including the home loan payment. So installment debt would be things like your MasterCard, your uh, any charge card you had, your car loan, so on and so forth. So when you take your house payment plus your car loan plus your MasterCard loan, okay, so home a home loan payment, okay, and let me get down to the last part here, which is this, may not exceed 41%. Okay, so what we're doing is we're saying, okay, here's the thing. We take what we make as a gross income, and what I would want to do is figure out what's 41% of my gross income, okay? So I just take my gross income, which would be, say, for example, uh, uh, you know, $36,000 a year, or, you know, and I would multiply it times 41%. And then what I would do is I'd say my house payment and all of the consumer debt that I have cannot exceed 41% of, uh, of my gr monthly gross income. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about two different factors here. That's where we get the 29 and 41 from. Okay? I think that that beats that one to death pretty much. Okay. Now, going from there, right here, it says FHA sets a maximum mortgage, FHA sets maximum mortgage loan amounts. These amounts, which vary by state as well as by location within the state, are adjusted yearly. So, in other words, whatever I say or what you see this year is going to be adjusted next year, normally adjusted for inflation. So it means they normally are going to go up. Uh, on January 1st of 2005, the maximum amount for, lo uh, for low-cost areas such as Wyoming was $172,000. $172,632. The maximum for the high-cost areas, such as Los Angeles, California, was $312,895. Okay. Section 214 of the National Housing Act provides that Hawaii, uh, Guam, Alaska, and the Virgin Islands may have a maximum of $469,342. Okay. So you want to keep in mind that there's different areas depending because of the cost of housing. 
And again, you'd want to go back and see what those limits happen to be. And I'll show you that. We can show you that on the website. Okay, the next thing is the mutual mortgage insurance. This is another thing that you need to be aware of. Uh, you know, we talked about PMI. We're talking about MMI now, which is different. In other words, what we have to pay, how it's assessed, and whether or not we can cancel it eventually is different than it is on private mortgage insurance. So anyway, going through this, it just basically says uh, the mortgage insurance is referred to as mutual mortgage insurance, MMI. FHA charges an upfront premium of 1.5% of the loan amount. Okay, so for example, if you had a $100,000 loan amount, 1.5% would be $1,500 is what that, what we're talking about there. In addition, FHA charges a monthly premium equal to 0.05, that's not 5%, it's 0.05% of the loan amount annually. Okay, if the property is sold within the first 484 months of the loan term, any unused portion of the upfront MMI will be refunded to the borrower. When the loan balance drops below 78% of the original purchase price, notice it said original purchase price, the monthly payment will automatically be canceled provided the borrower has made monthly payments for, the f for five years on a 30-year mortgage. Okay, so the cancellation of it is different than it is on a private mortgage insurance. In fact, there were um, a company several years ago that was trying to make a living by sending notices out to people that had like FHA loans that had been in existence for a while to say to them, you not, might be able to cancel your monthly mortgage payment. We'll help you do that. Okay, and we're going to charge you a fee for that. Or it might help you cancel your PMI, your private mortgage insurance. Okay, the, the wise thing is, is that a consumer or a client should understand what that process is and follow it through, and it might be where they can save some money. Okay, now there are different types of loans that FHA makes, and we're only going to stop on, you know, we're going to talk about a few of them and what the little bit of an intricacies are them. The most popular loan they have is the FHA 203B program, okay? So the 203 program, with the 203 fixed rate program, a down payment of 3% of the sales price is required. Okay, so this is to purchase the home, a home that's in good condition kind of a thing. Gifts from family members are allowed as are payments from government or nonprofit agencies that are designed to help first-time or low-income buyers. That's where a good mortgage person might be able to help you and say you qualify for the loan and there is another program that will help you with your down payment. Okay, these are typically... If you will, many of these programs, which hopefully we'll talk about when we get to that section of uh, the thing, are typically they, they change on a pretty regular basis. They have money, don't have money. Uh, it's, this is the part where a really good lender can help you put together a program to buy the house where some of the money might be coming from borrowing it and some of it might be coming to help you with the down payment. So that's what we're talking about here, that the down payment may be coming from some agency. And the idea is that the agency gives it to you and they don't expect to give it back again, just like an individual. Okay. 
Um, let me see from here. Agencies are designed to help first-time buyers. FHA does not require the borrower to have cash reserves. As noted early, only two years of employment prior to the application is required. Lenders may only charge closing fees that are found on the FHA-approved list. Fees for document preparation, processing fees, underwriting fees, and lenders' tax services are not allowed. Again, those things can always change. All owner-occupied one-to-four unit family residences are eligible. Homes located in plan unit developments, PUDs, must be HUD-approved projects. PUDs are plan unit developments. I almost think of those more like a, a, uh, you know, for example, in a condominium-type project, the overall project. Okay, so you may be, for example, you might be using this to buy a brand-new a brand new home in a planned unit development, as an example, or an existing one. Okay, now that's the fixed rate program. There is also an adjustable rate program they have, and that's called the FHA 251. Uh, the FHA 251 adjustable program is a 30-year adjustable rate mortgage that is indexed to the one-year Treasury bill rate. So it tells you, when we talked about the indexes, this actually tells you what the index is and is adjusted annually. The adjustment rate may not move higher or lower than 1% a year, and the rate is capped at 5%. Okay, so that's an adjustable rate. So the concept behind this is that that might be another thing that's going to help somebody get into their first home. As I mentioned many times before, keep in mind, though, that whoever you're putting in these houses needs to really be thinking out number of years out to make sure they're going to be able to continue to afford these houses. Okay, so that's the one program. There's also another program that they have called the FHA 203K program. And this program is developed for properties that need uh, rehabilitation. I'll go into a little bit of this. So the FHA 203K Purchase and Rehabilitation Program was developed to help revitalize communities and neighborhoods. So keep in mind that one of the things that the government <clears throat> attempts to do, you know, in its infinite wisdom, is to try to not only help us as consumers or taxpayers buy a house, but they also try to help the communities. And as communities start to go down, start to wither away, you know, people move out of the community It gets rented out. Maybe we have a high crime area, and we're either, as a community, say like Sacramento, we're either going to put up with that or we're going to say, no, stop. Stop right now. Let's stop that. You know. And what we'll do is we may, through a number of different programs, help turn that area around, such as some kind of block grant, some other kinds of programs, and this might be a program that would maybe fit an area like this, or it may fit a home. That's in an area. It might be a nice area, a nice residential area where uh, you have a house that's no, just not been taken care of. It's falling apart kind of a thing for various reasons. So it was developed by HUD and is administered by FHA. Many areas have older housing stock that is basically sound, meaning it's not falling apart. You know, uh, the, the foundation is not falling out, okay? The sound, but in need of extensive repairs. Normally, in conventional practice, a homeowner must first purchase the home and then obtain construction financing to rehabilitate the home. That's under a conventional financing program. Uh, This often creates multiple short-term mortgages at high interest rates, which makes it difficult, you know, I'm throwing that in, makes it difficult for the person to actually make this program work. 
This often creates multiple short-term mortgages, high interest rates. In most cases, conventional lenders will not make a mortgage loan until all the repairs have been completed. As a result, many basically sound properties in need of repairs were left vacant and at the risk of further deterioration and vandalism simply because the prospective homebuyers were unable to afford to purchase purchase price without a loan. Okay, so here we're really trying to turn around a home or turn around a community is what we're trying to do. No, we, we can't still we can't continue to have communities go down and just put a fence around them and say, well, that's it. Nobody's going to live there. We need to have something that turns them around. So that's why they're stepping in. So anyway, the 203 program permits a borrower to obtain the property in need of rehabilitation with just one loan. Available loans may be either at a fixed rate or adjustable. The maximum amount of the loan, including acquisition of rehabilitation, is eligible for FHA insurance when the mortgage proceeds are dispersed and a rehabilitation account is established. I've known people out of bought properties with this in mind. It's a way that you can almost, in some cases, you may hire a contractor. In some cases, it may be a way that you can get some sweat equity as we talk about you swinging the hammer and doing the painting and stuff like that to get the house turned around. Another way for you to get into an area. Um, goes down further. Uh, it says the program allows loans on one to four unit family dwellings that are at least one year old. Loans may also be made on projects that have been demolished. This is interesting. As long as the foundation remains. <laughs> if you ever wander around, go around wonder why, you know, why in the world did they ever not rip up the final foundation? There could be a reason why. The program allows conversion of single-family dwellings into two- or four-unit uh, dwellings and conversion of larger-than-four-unit dwellings into one-to-four-unit dwellings. So this could possibly be where you buy something downtown that maybe was a really nice Victorian at one time, as an example, was uh, families lived there, converted into eight units, uh, single each bedroom where somebody rented. Now you want to turn around and bring it back to you know either its normal house or bring it back to a, a, a smaller number of units. It also permits the dwelling to be transported from one site to the other. In fact, I think we've transported some of these to the extent that they even have a TV show now where they show, I think it's called House Movers or something, where they show people moving houses from one location to the other. I've seen that done a lot in different parts of... Uh, I, I, I've seen that... I, I think my first experience with seeing somebody do that was in New York when I was a kid. My father had a garage, and right next to the garage was uh, a house. And people bought the house and moved it. I mean, they literally go in, jack the house up, put beams underneath it, put it on tra a trailer or a series of trailers, and they tow it to the next location where there's a foundation built, and they drop it right back down again. So if you had a house, in fact, I remember one time there was a TV show where they actually showed, it was almost like a boneyard of homes. What they did is they showed you an area and what had happened was is they had homes that were in, you know, homes were in fairly good condition. And they didn't want to tear them down. They felt people could use them. And what they did is instead of tearing them down, they actually moved them to an area. Almost like they do with aircraft, boneyards, you know, where you put the house. And people would come in and buy the house and they would tow it from there to the new location. So it's, you know, that could be a concept. The 203K program also allows loans of mixed-use properties, okay? So... 
Again, another kind of a program um, that you can use. They do talk about the steps that you need to do when you're working with a 203K program. You know, it sort of stands to reason that if you're going to buy a house and you're going to be borrowing money with the intention that you're going to be using this money to fix this house up, and then hopefully, uh, you know, so you're actually borrowing money to buy the house and also in the, in the same loan borrowing money to do the repair work on the house, that it stands to reason that before somebody's going to lend you some money, you're going to have to figure out how much that's going to cost. So in other words, what is it going to cost to replace the roof, put the addition on, repair the bathroom, tear the kitchen out, whatever it is that needs to be done, you need to figure out what those costs are going to be. Otherwise, you'd have no way of knowing whether it fits into the program and whether you have enough money. So they just give you um, a series of steps here. They just say, uh, I'll just read through this really quick. The first steps in the process are slightly different than from a regular purchase. First, after locating a prospective property, the buyer and his or her real estate agent make a preliminary analysis of the extent of the repairs and a rough estimate of the cost of the work that needs to be carried out. And I'm probably going to tell you that that initial cost, initial estimate is probably going to be low because, you know, for any of us that have ever done any of this kind of work, know that we always, always seem to underestimate. We overestimate our ability. We overestimate our, uh, and that includes our ability to do the work and our ability to get it done on time. And we usually underestimate the costs. And we also, if we're going to do it ourselves, we forget that we need certain kinds of tools. So these are, when they say rough, they mean rough. Um, then a sales contract is executed, including the provisions that the borrower has applied for, a 203K financing, uh, and, uh, and that the contract is contingent upon approval of this financing. So you're telling them, I'm going to buy the house, contingent on me, the buyer, being able to pull this off, get the loan. But you have to keep in mind, you say, why would anybody want to do this? Well, one of the reasons why they would want to do it is the house needs to have work on it. And what's happening is, is that the existing owner maybe is, you know, can't have it, sell it because nobody wants to buy the darn thing because it's not in good condition. Right? Uh, the buyer then contacts an approved FHA lender. The FHA will, at this stage, recommend an FHA-approved 203K consultant general contractor to help the buyer draw up the necessary work, write-ups, and cost estimates. So now you're taking what you want to do and you're asking the contractors to figure out what is this realistically going to cost. Now, keep in mind that I want to caution you about this because keep you know you could also have a lot of hidden things that you're not aware of. Uh, there is, uh, going back to some of these TV shows, and they just seem to be all over the place, there's a, uh, one on there called, I believe, called Flip Your House. And what they do is the idea in mind is that you buy something that needs to have work done on it. You happen to be somebody that's an expert in this area. You buy it, you, 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 know, you put a bid on it, and then you turn around, and after you buy it, you fix it up and put it back on the market and sell it. And one of the houses I remember them showing, and it seemed to me like I think they, they must sometimes in some places pick the worst house that you could ever do this with. But what these people did, and they were experts. I mean, these were general contractors that supposedly knew what they did. They bought a foreclosed piece of property that they had not really inspected. They started doing a bunch of work on the property. After they had put down the new flooring in the house, they realized that some of the floor joists were rotten. 
I mean rotten, what I mean is is either termite damage or dry rot. So they ended up having to tear up a lot of stuff, which cost a lot of money and a lot of time. So again, you have to really think about the whole scope of the project if you're going to do this. Uh, Going on from there, okay. Upon receipt of these documents, the lender will ask the FHA to, ins- uh, to issue a case number and assign an FHA-approved plan reviewer, appraiser, and inspector. The plan reviewer will meet with the buyer and the consultant contractor at the property to ensure that the repairs are acceptable. Okay? So, in other words, there's a lot of forethought that's done in this process before they actually are going to issue the money. Um, I kind of like this idea, and I thought that I would continue to read on it and emphasize it because I think it's pretty pretty good for some people. This this kind of a program could really fit somebody that really wants to buy a home, doesn't have the money, maybe has a good deal of skill or skill sets or friends or somebody that can help them, and they're very good at managing this. So they're really going to... They do, they're going to replace their ability, their financial ability, with the ability to, to do things, uh, to, to work on stuff. Okay? The appraiser will then carry out the appraisal of the property. The lender will review the application and issue a confidential, oh, I'm sorry, conditional commitment statement of the appraised value. After the buyer has completed the necessary documentation for the FHA loan, the lender will issue a firm commitment. So there's been a lot of thought. This is not something you're just, you know, doing, you know, you're really putting a plan together here is what you're doing. This document will, will detail the maximum amount that can be loaned. The mortgage will then be clo- will closed, and the lender will submit the closing documents to FHA. FHA then ins- ins- issues a mortgage insurance certificate to the lender. Repair work may begin at the time of the closing and must be completed within six months. So you're putting people on, on the spot. You know, you're saying you need to get started and get the thing done. Uh, the repair funds are dispersed at each stage of the rehabilitation is complete. Very important. You're going to find out anytime somebody's going to give you money for repair work or construction, they're not going to give you a big bunch of money and say, have a great time. They're going to want to have stages in there in which they're going to look at it and say, did you do that work, yes or no? If you did, then we'll give you the next draw on the money, if you will. Upon overall completion, the final inspection is carried out by FHA-approved inspector. Okay. So, again, think of the fact that FHA program, people buying their first house, maybe even their second house, house that needs some work. Uh, and what you're really trying to do is you're trying to get into this house and being creative. You know what you're getting yourself into, and you're really putting some plans out. And this may work for some people. I would not recommend this program for somebody that doesn't know anything about houses, you know, or understand commitment or being able to live in a house that's completely torn apart. <laughs> I've done that. I've lived in houses where, you know, the, uh, you could sit in the living room and look underneath the house, you know. So you have to keep in mind that you can put up with this stuff. Okay. There's also a, um, there's also a program FHA has to repair for light repair work. Notice the word light repair work. So it says FHA Title I program is designed to allow homeowners to finance light repairs or permanent improvements to their homes. And again, these can change, but it says loans up to $25,000 will be insured for a maximum of 25 years. Interest rates are set by the market, so on and so forth. Okay, so in other words, we have a program for that. Uh, 
Let me see. And I think that I'm trying to, uh, what I wanted to do now before we get into the VA loan, I'm going to go a little bit into what's on the class website. And uh, the reason why I'm going to do this is because I want to kind of finish off the FHA now, and I'm probably also going to spend some time on it the next time. I want you guys to become self-sufficient. So underneath the Blackboard website, underneath uh, websites here, underneath chapter this chapter here, which is government programs, uh, I have a lot of different things about FHA. I have FHA, VA, and CalVet. So what I want you to do is if these are programs that interest you, I want to get you to that site so that you can start your research. So the first one is just the FHA site that has to do with buying a home. Uh, I really thought that this site, this part of the site was good because unlike many of us that have bought a home, maybe many homes, we're familiar with the process. But one of the things I like about this portion of their website is that it helps explain in very simple terms what the things are you need to go through. And you could look at it also as a checklist, if you will. And it also provides links to other stuff that you would need to know. And it's free. It doesn't cost anything. Um, home uh, Buying a home, it says the home, let me see if I can blow this up at all under view and text, if I can go up a notch. Yes, I can. I love the way they do this. And I think it's showing up on the TV. Yes. Okay. So it says the home buying process can be seen complicated, but if you take things step by step, one step at a time, you know, uh, you'll soon be holding the keys to your own house. What they do on this site is they talk about how, first of all, you have to figure out how much can you afford. Okay? Second thing, and so I'll go down through here. They give you a little thing, but what they do is they, they give you links. So they say, okay, before you go out and you're looking to buy a house, figure out what you can afford to buy. You know, and this may also help clients. If you're a professional in the business and you want to help clients honestly and truly, you may very well have to first say to them, hey, let's take a look at this. Take a look at what needs to be done. We, we have to figure out what it is that you can afford to buy. What are you paying in your monthly rent right now? What could you possibly step up to as a home payment? Uh, do you realize that you're going to have some other costs that are going to be, most likely your payments are going to be higher than rent? Most likely you're going to have to, you're not going to be able to call the landlord to have repairs done. So you need to make the homeowner so they understand what's going on here. But, uh, what they've done here is that they, they go down step one. That's what you have to figure out. And how much can you afford? What they do here is they take you other links. One of the things that you'll notice that they do is they take you to like Jenny May. So they'll be taking you to Jenny May, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, which has wonderful resources available to help you figure out what you can and can't afford. So, okay, so I wanted to show you that. Um, they'll also talk about where you're going to be able to sit down and think about what is it, and I've shown you this before, what about the difference between buying versus renting? So, again, this is where you're going to be able to fill in some, some numbers, and it's going to automatically uh, provide the calculations for you. It's going to calculate the differences between what your current rent is and what your rent payments are going to be based on what you're going to buy. Another thing that I think is good. Um, <clears throat> another thing that you may be interested in is uh, 
If you need help with your down payment and closing costs, there are home buying programs in your state. So if you want to know what those home buying programs are, they'll list them by state. Now keep in mind that, you know, this is a good lead in to what's available. Does not necessarily mean that this is all of the programs or in some cases that this is the most accurate information. The reason why is because when you look at the stack of information that's here, the possibility of them having an error or not keeping it up to date because they don't have enough people is a good possibility. But what they're doing here is they give you a state and then down from here you can go ahead in here and click. For example, we're in California and down here they can talk about home ownership in California and take you through that steps. Those various steps. Okay, all sorts of different resources that happen to be in California. Okay, very, very interesting, very important portion of uh, website. Uh, if you need a housing counselor, it gives you that. Okay, then it goes on after that. It says, Step two, know your rights. What are the fair housing rights? What rights do you have? Real Estate Settlement Procedures Act. Remember, we talked about the RESPA statement. What is that? What does it mean? I think most agents would love to have a client walk in the door that understands this stuff. Uh, borrower's rights, predatory uh, lending rights. They want you to know about predatory lending practices. Step uh, three, shopping for a home. They'll take you back through all the steps. When you're looking around shopping, what is it that you need to look for? Writing stuff down, comparing stuff, okay? Very important. Because once you figure out what you can afford and you figure out what your rights are, then what you need to do is you need to figure out whether or not, you know, what is available on the market. And the only way you can find that out is by going out and looking at the market. Okay? And so you'll become familiar with it. Um, after that, learning about home buying programs. Okay? There's all sorts of home buying programs. Uh, they have special HUD programs in here that may fit your needs. One minute. Uh, step five, uh, shop for home. Okay? And I'm going to probably st stop around there. I'll probably pick up on these websites the next time, just trying to show you um, what is available, okay, what programs are available that you need to be aware of when you're getting ready to buy a home. And a lot of this is not only applying to FHA, but just the conceptual idea of how to prepare yourself is important, whether you're using conventional VA or whatever program you're basically using. So what I want to do is the next time I'm going to work, uh, I encourage you, by the way, you know, if you're interested to go in there, take a look at what stuff is available. Become well-educated and knowledgeable what's there. And so you can help yourself and you can help your clients. Okay, that's why I put that stuff there. So with that, I want to thank you very much for watching, and we will see you back here the next time. Have a nice day. Bye-bye.